Hey there, my name is Oliver Zach. I'm CEO and co-founder of Mad Rabbit. And what I love about beauty is the ability to express yourself and really showcase who you are. From New York City, you are listening to Beauty Is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the beauty industry. Tattoos are a $2 billion industry today in 2023, and the whole industry expected to double by 2030. On today's episode, Denise and I are buzzing about tattooed skin, and we're excited to have a guest and a brand on our show that we can dive into the rise of tattooed skin in the marketplace, specifically to this brand, their success on Shark Tank, and how they are servicing their unique community. I'm Jessica Quick. As I already mentioned with Denise Dente. Hey, Denise, how are you? I'm well. I'm excited to talk about tattoos. Right? Okay. So I realize after decades of working together, I don't actually know. Do you have a tattoo? Well, let's see. No is the answer to that. (laughs) (laughs) I am surprised that you don't know that, but uh, no, no. Okay. So maybe what we do, if this show ends up being our best listened to show, our most downloaded show, maybe we should have a challenge for you that you have to go get a tattoo. We'll have to explore that and track the numbers pretty closely, but uh, I'm usually game for most anything. Yeah. You're always up for a good challenge. That's right. It's so interesting, this tattooed skin piece. I mean, as long as we have been in this industry and attended the beauty events we've attended and the trade shows we've attended, I'm really surprised. I've never stopped to think about, I haven't seen products specific for tattooed skin. Was this an aha for you? It was. I enjoy talking to Oliver and can't wait to dig in today's conversation because I think he's really hit something very timely very needed in the industry. And it's an exciting opportunity to find white space in a very crowded industry. So welcome to the show, Oliver. Thank you, ladies, for having me. I'm stoked to be here. Yeah, we're really interested in this now. It's a really fun topic. Look, I think Mad Rabbit, you have blown up in the last four years. And so let's dive in, like Denise said, Give us the genesis of Mad Rabbit. Give us a little bit of your journey and how you suddenly became a beauty brand entrepreneur. Sure. Happy to. Also would like to share that I will be encouraging downloads on my social media so that we get Denise (laughs) to get her first tattoo. So Mad Rabbit honestly started off with lower ambitions than we've achieved today. It was a college side hustle. Salam, my co-founder and I, we really saw an opportunity in the market for clean and natural healing products really focused on the aftercare phase of getting a tattoo and maintaining a tattoo and saw immediate what I call product market fit when we started running our first Facebook ads. I think it's important to caveat the difference between product market fit and brand market fit. Product market fit is critical for step one. You need to have people that resonate with your products and want to buy it. Where real businesses are made is brand market fit, the ability to sell multiple products to a specific audience that resonate across you know, a variety of stages of your business. So like I said, kicking it back to college, Salam and I were second semester seniors at Miami University. So well on our way to graduation and, and moving on to our full-time jobs, which we were excited to do and we already had lined up. But we started making our first product in our kitchen crock pot. We ordered a bunch of ingredients from a natural apothecary online, 
When those were sold out, we ordered a few ingredients from Amazon. Like I said, we were cooking in a crock pot off of a formula, a recipe, if you will, that my mom actually helped create. So it was very humble beginnings. And that first product was a tattoo balm, which is a product that you can use to spot moisturize your tattoos. Now, I think it's also important to explain there's a few things that ruin a tattoo over time or, or cause it to fade, to lose its vibrancy. One of those is, is time itself, which unfortunately we cannot solve. The other one is sun exposure. The third one is lack of moisturization. So starting off, you know, we're not an FDA certified lab. We're in my apartment. And the easiest pain point for us to address is, is the moisturizing one. So we wanted to come up with an all natural formula that is good for the skin, smells good, simple to use and safe for tattoos. And that's exactly what we did. So that whole summer before we left for our full-time jobs, we were making the product ourselves, making fulfillment runs to our local post office in Oxford, Ohio, which by the way, they ended up kicking us out and making us take the bags to Cincinnati, which is a bigger post office. And that was really just kind of the grounds of what would become a really fun single product side hustle for the next two years. We went on to our full-time jobs. I give a ton of credit to Salam during this phase because he was the one who really bared the uh, weight of having to run this business in the background. He was running all of our Facebook ads and making sure that revenue continued to come in the door. And after we did $2.8 million off of that single product in the first two years, that's when we decided, okay, let's now try for brand market fit. And that's where we got innovating on the other pain points that can ruin a tattoo over time. Our second product was a soothing gel, which really focuses on the first three weeks after you get a new tattoo. It's an aloe vera base, which is a much cleaner, more natural version than the petroleum jelly recommendation that had been dominating the industry for decades. And our third product was an all-natural mineral-based SPF 30. So really covering the initial three kind of pain points of what can harm a tattoo. And it was met with a ton of love and admiration, same as our tattoo balm. During that time, and actually just before our other two products launched, we applied to Shark Tank via an Instagram ad. Didn't think we'd hear anything of it. I'm pretty sure my partner half-assed the application with grammar and spelling issues. But we got a call back from a casting agent. At first, I thought it was a prank because a couple weeks before, I received a prank phone call from Post Malone's manager saying that, he was interested in Mad Rabbit and wanted to work with the brand. I fell for it, hook, line, and sinker. And I said, you know what? This is not happening again. I don't care. You're not getting me this time. But ended up listening to the voicemail. And like I said, it's a casting agent from Shark Tank. And he said, we've never seen anything like this. And we really want to have you on. Salam and I went through the process of creating and perfecting a, a pitch for TV for the next couple months, submitting video after video, receiving the feedback that this isn't enough energy, you need to have more energy, be more exciting, yada, yada, yada. And that's where we got a little bit lucky, because not everyone has kind of that casting agent who's willing to be patient with you and, and work through the process with you. But we eventually got to the point where we submitted something we were all very happy with and ended up hearing that we wanted to be casted on the show. So that takes me to the end of 2020. COVID hit, everything is shut down. They fly us to Las Vegas 10 days early before our airing and we are put in a bubble. So I couldn't see even Salam during those 10 days. We had to practice our pitches via FaceTime. We had three meals a day delivered to our door. I had a beautiful view of the Venetian pool and everyone having fun in it, but I was stuck in my room and couldn't leave, quarantined. And 
I'm honestly thankful for that looking back because it just gave us time to find conviction in our numbers and confidence in what we were saying. And the short of it is it ended up going swimmingly. All of the Sharks were very supportive throughout the pitch. I think having conviction in your numbers is really a key to that show. I think it signals honesty and you know what you're doing. And I think that's a lot of what can turn a shark off immediately. So ended up landing our, our deal with Mark Cuban for $500,000 for 12%. And really the rest was history. That was a fantastic springboard for getting us to become a household name, even for non-tattooed people. It was a lot of aunts and uncles buying Mad Rabbit for their nephews and nieces who have tattoos. And I think it went a really long way for brand awareness. And then the last thing I'll end on is it really gave us a lot of momentum to then kick off the venture capital fundraising process that we embarked on. We leveraged Mark's connections. We leveraged Miami University's venture capital connections. And all of that momentum really got the snowball rolling as far as more introductions and more pitches and led us to eventually raising our seed round. Let's go back to the initial D to C conversation and how you went from the crockpot to the shark tank. <laughs> I guess it's crockpot to the tank. And that $2.8 million that you mentioned through D to C and Facebook ads and so forth. We know that in today's environment, Facebook ads are performing differently and it's harder than ever to sell D to C. Talk us through some of that initial Facebook advertising that you did. What did convert people? What lessons were learned during that process? Were you doing A-B testing? Because getting to that $2.8 million quickly is difficult at any time. Absolutely. So iOS 14, which is the event that you're alluding to that really changed the digital marketing landscape. I mean, I cannot understate how cataclysmic that decision by Apple was to really shake up the digital advertising space. Every company, including us, started a mad scramble for figuring out how this was going to work. It used to be very easy for Facebook to tell that you were scrolling tattoos on Pinterest for the last two hours. So you'd probably be a pretty ripe candidate to purchase Mad Rabbit. After iOS 14 rolled out, that was no longer the case. Those apps are no longer talking to each other. And attribution really went out the window. And what that did to the digital marketing landscape is, and where we actually found it to be a differentiator for our brand and in hindsight, maybe a good thing, is it really got us to focus on content. That was the only way around this is to have good content. You can no longer rely on the, the super targeting of the old days and you need to produce high quality videos that people want to watch. So, you know, Mad Rabbit has always been a content heavy brand, but that is how we kind of clawed our way out of what was a very confusing situation at the time. So for content creation, were you doing all of it in-house? Did you start to look out for user-generated content? Or did you start to build your ambassador list? How did you think about content in this new landscape? All of the above. One of the best things we did for our brand early on was we made it cool for people to post our product and when they got it. Part of that is just tattoos are cool and people want to see them and share them. But we really wanted to leverage that. So we really normalized the customer opening their package and, and posting that they're excited that they finally got their Mad Rabbit. That was and is still a very important part of our content strategy. We love generating UGC and I'm happy to dive into that later. But I also think it's important to share kind of how we got started with our content team. So initially, we actually were using pictures from Unsplash or Pixabay, which is a royalty-free image site. So we'd look for people with tattoos. 
that really resonated with what we wanted the brand to be. And then we'd post them royalty free. There was one guy who we continually were ripping from and so much so to the point where he's like, we ended up commissioning a photo shoot with him. And his name is Garen Chadwick. He is now our, our creative director. He's still with us today. He ran our entire content operation as a one-man show, photo, video, editing, everything in between for really up until two years ago. So what we found was just a very talented person who had never even considered going down what I'll call like the corporate track in his life. If anything, he was quite averse to that. And what he found was that he loved working with us and saw the opportunity to really contribute to the tattoo community that he had been a part of longer than I have and cares a lot about. And what we found was a great resource with many talents. And through sharing that we want to do the right thing for the industry and be a positive force for the industry and really bring it into the 21st century, quite frankly, he ended up coming around and was really excited to end up joining us full time. If you would have asked him then, he swears that he never would have joined a company in his entire life. He wanted to work for himself, but he saw the greater vision of what we were trying to do. And we were able to run a very, very lean content operation in-house for most of the time and we've been in business. I know that when we've spoken about your community, we all talk about community and how important it is to engage with your consumers and customers. And I feel like every brand talks about their community but there's a big difference between having one and then really activating it and using it to drive the business. And I think what's really cool about Mad Rabbit and what you guys have done is you have this community, but it's not just checking a box that says, oh, we have a community. You're really activating that community. Talk to us a little bit about how you strategize and how you choose to bend in your community and really get them involved. Absolutely. So I think a lot of brands think about community as social media. I think it's important to have a social media strategy that works for your brand. Absolutely. But what I view as community is are someone in Arkansas and someone in Los Angeles connecting and sharing tattoos and talking about it together, even though they have no other vested interest in each other. So how do you do that? Yes, you can get some of that from comments on your post and encouraging conversation that way. But what we really try to do is bring a lot of that conversation on platform. So we decided to launch a Discord channel, which is a really cool place for fans of Mad Rabbit to just come hang, chat, share tattoos, talk about whatever, talk about movies. And that has grown to 6,000 people to date. We've had hundreds of thousands of messages sent, tens of thousands of pictures of tattoos shared, and it's constantly going. There's thousands of people messaging right now. So that's what I consider to be a vibrant community. It's one step beyond social, but more so into a place where conversation can take place. So I think that was a really critical step. And off of the conviction that we gained from the success of the Discord channel, that's when we really started exploring options for an ambassador program. A lot of companies have ambassador programs. Many of them do it differently. But I thought there were two very important things that we wanted to extract from our ambassador program. One of them being revenue, and then the other one being UGC. So we partnered with an application called Social Ladder, which is a really cool, unique way of thinking about ambassadorship. Through Social Ladder, we give them affiliate codes, which is no different than any other standard affiliate program. They get 20% of every sale they make. The cool thing about tattoos is they're already talking about their tattoos with their friends or whoever asks. So that the ice has already been broken. 
But the other side of it is UGC, and that's where Social Ladder is a really cool platform. So we award our ambassadors brand points every month for completing challenges that we roll out every single month. And they can be as simple as post a TikTok using this hashtag, whether it's a get ready with me or it's showing off your tattoo at the pool. We have really customizable and unique challenges for them to complete, which we also then get the UGC. That's been really a great funnel for us, having a ton of content to post of our ambassadors. And they, of course, want to be posted by a brand with a million followers as well. So it's really a great cyclical funnel for us to share and provide exposure to fans of the brand and also receive some as well. Other challenges that we've done that have been successful as far as activating our ambassadors is driving them to our retail partners. So we launched GNC in February and February, March, April, we had tons of challenges that were going to GNC and post a picture with our product. And what does that do? It mobilizes our 6,000 ambassadors into stores where they then purchase and support our retail partners. So what we've done a great job is, is providing meaningful rewards for very customizable tasks. Super fascinating, this whole piece about leveraging your community. And I love the part about it's about their connection, not the connection to the brand. And I think that is a big part that gets missed or maybe isn't thought about as deeply. So really appreciate that piece. Really interested in this retail piece. So you start on D2C, you do 2.8 million, you get on Shark Tank, you get exposure. So now I have to imagine... DTC is blowing up and so on. What was that pivot that made you think about retail is my first question. And my second is, why didn't you start in tattoo parlors, tattoo spaces? Why did you go more mass, more big box? There were a few other players in the space prior to us coming in. We are not the first tattoo-focused aftercare company out there. We are the first tattoo skincare company. But what I think is different there is... Tattoo parlors, while they are the bread and butter, the point of care recommendation for tattoo healing, nobody really owns more than a few of them. And any one shop does not command all that much foot traffic. So if you go out there and you win a door, it's not a big needle mover. But now that we're at this point where we achieved quite a bit of scale on DTC, now it's making a ton of sense for us to go win over these tattoo artists and win their recommendation and help them heal their tattoos better. Because all of this growth and, and normalization of tattoo culture is funneling through these tattoo artists, right? So just for example, in 2012, about 20% of Americans had at least one tattoo. Now in 2023, we're at like 48%. So this industry is undergoing astronomical growth and all of that funnels through the tattoo artist. At this point now, it, it makes a lot of sense. And the consumer is coming in and asking these artists for a mad rabbit, which I think is a benefit of going DTC first. We didn't have to try and build a brand through these tattoo parlors, but now these parlors can rely on us as you know another revenue source. And foot traffic. And foot traffic. And I think that's another kind of hurdle or I'll call it an opportunity for us is most of these tattoo parlors don't sell anything to date. It's not like salons where they're selling you different Paul Mitchell and Revlon and Redken, all these brands. They're truly just monetizing their split of labor. And what we're doing is convincing them, hey, listen, the customers are already asking for us. Instead of sending them down the street to GNC or Walmart, why don't you just sell it here? So it's a very effective place to win over the customer, right? Because if they're happy with how their tattoo healed, they're very likely going to consider us for skincare moving forward. So it's become increasingly important. But early on, it was just too hard to scale that. Isn't 
my experience too with this part of the industry with the tattoo parlor and so forth, it also is a community, a physical location to hang out too. So I can see how if your focus, right, is on preserving the tattoo and the skin, then you've got this community element and strategy for your business. This area totally makes sense because you do, you go kind of hang out, especially if you like your artist, they've become friends, you like the people that hang out there too, you're like-minded, it continues that community build and that information. So I can see how it now piles into the overall Mad Rabbit strategy. Yeah. And tattoo artists talk the same way that hairstylists talk. They're oftentimes very close friends with each other. And even if they don't work at the same shop, they're always sharing, you know, what's new and what's out there. So I agree with you. And we know you just went to Premiere Orlando. And I think that that was uh, what your first beauty show. So how did that go for you? It was our first beauty show. I had been to tattoo conventions before, and I know the barber community has a lot of similarities. So I, I figured there would be some overlap or chance of success. But I was blown away by how welcoming the hair and beauty community was to us. We had stylists and barbers coming by our booth, not only asking for tattoos, which by the way, this is the first Premier Orlando, Premier Any show that allows tattooing. So we kind of got to be industry ceiling breakers through that lens, which is awesome and drew a ton of attention. But there was also so much interest from a wholesale perspective, because you know when it comes to salons and estheticians, We have the opportunity to add a product to their basket that is not competing with everything that they currently offer. So it's actually a creative to them. And there's a lot of opportunity and exciting conversations had as a result. So interesting. I actually attended a spa event and they had in their invitation type of thing, they were telling you what was available and it was these temporary tattoos. When I got there and started looking at the line, the artists that were there applying temporary tattoos for whatever reason, they had hired actual tattoo artists and people were requesting real tattoos. And so they ended up pivoting during this event and having people that wanted a real tattoo. It had to be, you know, certain parameters, small and time conscientious. But I was blown away at how many people on the spot wanted an actual tattoo. And I think it speaks to the customer base and knowing. And so if you can pivot into the salon space, have a product that is not competing with what they have, but also not the same thing that's down the street from them, right? So they've got something that a fellow salon down the street doesn't have. And you're tapping into a customer base that actually is a lot richer than I think we've given it credit to in the past. From a distribution standpoint, we've talked about D2C, we've talked about B2B and expanding into some of the retailers. And now I'm going to refer to it as professional, meaning the hairdressers and the barbershops and those types of channels. Where do you go from here? It's funny because asking this question for such a young brand to already have this amount of interest and distribution, it's amazing. But where do you go from here? Yeah, that's a great question. And it gets back to the topic that we started off with in that DTC is no longer a viable channel for businesses by itself. You need to be omni-channel to survive. So, you know, retail was kind of always in the cards. I will say it has been a hard, long road for us. We have a ton of followers. We have a ton of convicted customers. We have everything going for us, right? But what we don't have to leverage is an existing department in any of these stores, right? There's no tattoo category in Walmart. There's no tattoo category in in GNC. So we had the burden of creating that as the leading brand. So, you know, it took a a long time and a lot of conversations, but I think the traction that we've had just reached a certain level of undeniability to where it makes sense 
for these places to sell us. And I think Amazon was a, a good proxy for retailers to look at. I think that's where America shops right now, right online at least. And if you're succeeding on Amazon, which I think we have three or four of the top 10 products in tattoo care on Amazon, I think that's a lot of what they're looking for. So, you know, retail has always been on our pipeline and something that we've been passionate about. We actually tried to break into beauty retailers, Sephora and Alta, and weren't making a lot of headway. So that's where we pivoted and we say, listen, where else is our tattooed people shopping? Who are tattooed people? What are these other communities and where do they shop? Our next kind of thought was the health and wellness community. People who care about what they put in their body also care about what they put on their body, especially if they have tattoos. So that's where we had some really awesome conversations with GNC, really discussing the customer overlap and the opportunity at hand. They were willing to take a chance on us. And I think that really kind of got the ball rolling. They were willing to create a completely new category for us and other retailers decided to follow suit after that. What was that category? Curiously, did they see you in the beauty segment or where did they end up putting you? Tattoo care. It's a little bit different with GNC because they have a mix of corporate and franchise doors. So for the franchise doors, it's a little bit at their discretion as to how they display us and where they choose to put us. I know that they are getting more into the skincare category in general. So I think getting into tattoo care was a, a smaller niche way to do that. But as far as you know, Walmart, they created what they call in their words is a tattoo destination with Mad Rabbit leading the way. So we truly created an entirely new category in a massive retailer. Wow. For such a young brand, that is a spectacular performance that you can see will have a lot of longevity too, because as you pointed out, the statistics show that more and more people are getting tattoos. So it sounds like the future looks really, really exciting for you. So congratulations on all that success. I'm sure there's a lot more to come. If people do want to reach out to you and learn a little bit more, how can they do that? Absolutely. I'm very active on LinkedIn. So if you want to shoot me a connection on LinkedIn, I'm, I'm always responding to messages on there. As far as social media, we're basically at Mad Rabbit on everything at this point. And I'm usually at Oliver Zach on everything. So I'm pretty easy to find and quite responsive. So I'd love to connect with aspiring entrepreneurs, people in the beauty industry, anything in between. Well, thank you so much, Oliver, for your time today, for letting us really dive into a category we haven't spent much time. And I think you've opened up even our eyes as to where there's opportunity. So thank you for that. And for everyone listening, if you want to continue to buzz with us, head on over to buzzbeauty.com. This has been Beauty Is Your Business, produced by Mouth Media Network. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network and find prior episodes at beautyisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Your brand message can be on this show. Email us to find out more at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs>